All right. And we are live here at the studio, Biblos Network. We are coming to you with information and Bible content to help strengthen you, encourage you, and revitalize your day. I hope everything's going well with you guys. We've enjoyed the feedback. We've enjoyed the questions and all of the uh, insights that you've shared with us. We get your emails. We get your texts. Um, we've had a couple of people ask us what the um, the number is. What is the number again that we send it to while they're pulling that up? Um, I want to say hello to those of you that have reached out to us. We have received a deluge, a flood of texts and emails from people that want to know about different topics. So text the word Biblos, or not the word, the word, the word. <laughs> text the word Biblos to 919-899-4142, 919-899-4142. So text the word Biblos there, and um, that will do what? All right, that'll send a card to you. You can fill out your information, and from that, we can then get in touch with you and get in contact with you, um, and you can send us questions and things of that nature. So we're, we're happy to dialogue with you. There's a lot of people with a lot of questions. People are very interested in the Bible. They're just, maybe they struggle with, with, with the Bible itself. A lot of people try to read the King James Version of the Bible. They struggle with the Old English. Many people approach the Bible with an American mindset, and you have to change that. You have to put yourself into the context of ancient Palestine and the ancient world, a Middle Eastern mindset. The American mindset is an empirical mindset. It's an observationist mindset. We've had 2,000 years of, of commentary and religion that have been dumped on top of us and so I believe that's one reason why Jesus said that the man who hears the word of God and does it is like a, a man, a wise man, who hears the word of God and he does it. He digs down and he builds his house upon the rock. Well, the digging down is through the layers of accumulated debris and detritus that has fallen and created um, a, a covering. You can't find what's true. You don't know what's true. There's so much garbage to dig through, so many opinions to dig through. If you've ever uh, seen an archaeological dig over the years, over the, the centuries and millennia, the dust accumulates, the, the, the dirt accumulates, storms come, natural disasters happen, and cities literally get buried and they become hills as the dirt piles up, as cities are abandoned, as people move off. You know, After a thousand years, um, that city will become what's called a tell, T-E-L-L, -L, a tell. And it's an archaeological term that it means it's an unexcavated site. And we were at the city of Colossia in Turkey um, outside of Istanbul, and we, we got to spend time at Ephesus and, and Smyrna and some of the other churches of Asia, and one of the cities we went to was Colossia, and that's where the book of Colossians is is uh, written to. And when we got there, it was just a big hill, and it was surrounded by a fence, security fence, and the government of Turkey was going to excavate it. They were waiting on grant funding to do it, 
And so you had to literally dig down to get to the city and isolate and clean. And, and there's layers. You'd find as the centuries go by, there's different layers and layers and layers. So there's layers to the accumulated um, passing of time. And you got to wade through that and dig through that to get to the truth. And your questions are very, very relevant. They're very good. And we're excited to, to be able to help out somewhat with that. But we had some questions that were presented to us, and we want to share those with you today. Um, in particular, we're going to talk about the idea and the concept in the Bible of leaven. We're going to talk about leaven and how that relates to us today. And so if you've wondered, how did we get to where we are? here in the United States? How did the entertainment industry become like it is? How did young people so change so radically? Seems like overnight, just five, 10 years ago, the world was a different place, but now there's so many agendas, there's so many narratives that are being pushed on us, and uh, there is definitely radical agendas that are being pushed upon, upon God's people and there are groups that have taken advantage of COVID-19, the pandemic, and, and quarantining to stop people from going to church, to stop people from congregating. I understand safety. I understand you know, trying to make sure that a disease doesn't ravage the world. But I also know that there are political interest groups that are making hay out of this. And so here we are. We're the church. We're trying to thrive in this. There's definitely a, a, a move afoot to stop the Judeo-Christian mindset, and to stop people of faith from living their faith. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. So I'm going to talk about leaven, the Bible concept of leaven. Leaven in the Bible is mentioned over and over and over again, and it seems like this innocuous, you know, um, obscure thing. People just kind of pass it by, but it was actually a really big deal in the Bible, and it's used repeatedly, and there's a spiritual principle behind leaven. Leaven, what is leaven? Leaven is like, it's, it's a yeast. Leaven is yeast. It causes bread to rise. It also causes bread to mold and to ferment. So the idea of leavened bread and unleavened bread is repeatedly brought up, particularly in the Old Testament. For instance, when they came out of Egypt, God told them to take unleavened bread and to make unleavened bread. And so it was bread literally without yeast. It's almost like a cracker. It, it, it doesn't have the rising ability. So there's something about, about the bacterial, microbial activity of yeast that causes the bread to rise. And that's what leaven was all about. And it made the bread tasty. It made it good. Unleavened bread was, it was kind of bland. It was kind of simple. It was. Uh, it would last a long time, a long, 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 long time. It, you know, it was just literally grain and oil, and they would make it. But when you would add yeast to that, it would cause the bread to rise. It would taste a lot better. And so, when God told them to leave Exodus, He told them to make unleavened bread because you're leaving quickly. You don't have time to do this, and that unleavened. You don't have time to put leaven in. You don't have time to put yeast in. You don't have time for the bread to rise. You just have time for sustenance and to move. God's going to do a quick work, and he's going to take you out of this world. And that's 
a powerful teaching that when you are leaving the world and society and, and the world's ideas and concepts, and when I say the world, what I mean by the world, you know, I don't mean the earth because there's a way of looking at the world as the earth, but I'm talking about society that does not accept God. When I say worldly or the world, what we're talking about when we say that is a society that has rejected God. So there's a, a portion of Scripture that says um, of God that it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. Well, that and not we ourselves, people think that's self-evident. Of course God made us, but, but all of the evolutionary thought and macroevolution, all of the... Um, the humanist philosophies, humanist means that man did everything, we did everything, there is no God. All of that idea comes from the fact that people believe we did this, we've done all of this. There is no God, it's just us. And so God said, it is God that made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Um, so these ideas that that there is no God, they are pervasive, they are powerful, they are assaulting the church and people in the church. They're in your universities, they're in your schools, and there's radical agendas that are being pushed on us and shoved down our throats every day. And now, if you say that you don't want to participate or, or be involved in that, you're, you're con considered um, a, a narrow-minded, bigoted, um, homophobic, or... Um, a just a small-minded person, and, and you're uneducated, et cetera, et cetera. And all of these things are, are touted and held up as progress. And those ideas are coming, and they're coming fast. And, and it's, it's surprisingly connected to the idea of leaven. How did we get here? How did we get to entertainment where the idea of being entertained is taking off all your clothes and being as sexually provocative as you can be and changing um, the, the distinctives of what and who we are, well, there's been a systematic breakdown, and that systematic breakdown is directly related to leaven. So we're going to talk about leaven. God said, eat unleavened bread, and that's a powerful concept that God's people would eat unleavened bread. And um, another example of this is when Daniel and the three Hebrew children were in Babylon, they, they told themselves, we are not going to eat the king's meat. We're not going to eat at the king's table. Babylonian food is food that we're not going to participate in. We're not going to eat it. And it literally said, Daniel, they purposed in their heart that they would not defile themselves. Well, that's a powerful metaphor that we're not going to defile ourselves with the serving and the offering of this world society or Babylon. So Babylon means confusion. It means um, every wicked and evil thing. You know, you don't have to go too far to read about Harvey Weinstein, the Me Too movement, and you have literally Hollywood producers that pushed ideas and concepts. They're the most depraved people that our world has ever known. They, they, they're predators. They, and for years, they've been producing Hollywood material that has gone into the minds and the hearts of impressionable young people. And people just gobble that up. Apostolic people who don't know any better, they just they watch as much Hollywood as they can. And I'm going to tell you that Television and Hollywood are the greatest brainwashing tool that, that the world's ever known. 
They can establish conformity. They can plant ideas and concepts. And when the Bible says Daniel and those boys would not defile themselves with the king's meat, that's what it's referencing. I don't want to eat what Babylon is serving. I don't want to allow that into my mind, into my heart. And I don't mean eat in terms of food, but eat in terms of ingesting and taking in and metabolizing the world's um, ideas and concepts. So uh, scripturally speaking, listening to and watching is analogous to eating. So what you do physically when you eat, it's the same thing that you're doing when you are watching and listening to something. You're taking it in, you're ingesting it. It's becoming part of you. And so the concept concept of you are what you eat, <laughs> that that that's what happens. You are what you watch, you are what you listen to. And so this idea of leaven is stretched to include what we watch, what we hear, what we are around all the time, what is entering into our mind and what is affecting us. Um so the Bible says this of leaven. It says that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I think Galatians 5 and 1 Corinthians somewhere, it says that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And the idea there is there's bacterial activity taking place. There's microbial activity. There are things so small and so minute that you don't know they're there, but they are there. And they're invisible to the naked eye, but you are ingesting those things, you're taking those things in. And what a powerful uh, comparison. You know, what you're doing physically, that's what people are doing spiritually. When you're watching things, when you're listening to music, there's invisible things there that you are ingesting. There's subliminal ideas, there's things under the surface. Just something as simple as um, people that dress a certain way, people that talk a certain way. There's sly inference. There's body language. There's things that are this all has to do with psychology. It has to do with um, what the world propagates. So much is conveyed, um, and they know exactly what they're doing. Hollywood knows exactly what they're doing. Um, so they, they will normalize sin. They will normalize wickedness. And slowly, slowly, slowly it encroaches and it it works its way in. So a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Uh, one way that we would say it here in the United States is, you know, one bad apple spoils the bunch. So if you have a, a rotten apple that's in the bottom of a barrel and you leave it there and you don't deal with that bad apple, then the whole barrel will eventually be contaminated because bacteria spreads and um, rot and there's, there's microbial activity and it, and it jumps from apple to apple to apple until the whole thing's ruined. And that's true of people. If you have one bad person in a group, many times the bad will jump. It's contagious. And leaven is contagious. It's a spreading thing. It's a moving thing. It will eventually dominate the whole thing if you don't purge out the leaven and make it a new lump. So that's the way leaven worked in bread. They would take a little bit of leaven, they would put it in the bread, and they'd leave it for a period of time, and that bacterial dynamic would spread to the entire bread. And so the Bible talks about the leaven of the Pharisees. It talks about the leaven of Herod. So there's a political leaven. There is a religious leaven. That's the Pharisees and Sadducees. And then there's a political leaven. That's Herod. Um, the Bible says the kingdom of God is like a woman that took 
three measures of meal and hid leaven in it until the whole was leavened. So that, that's, a, that's a one positive spin on leaven, that, that the kingdom of God would also be contagious, and it would spread, and it would fill the whole earth until the whole thing was leavened. So I'm, I might as well just take a little time and say, I think our worship ought to be contagious. I think our, our singing ought to be contagious. Our preaching ought to be contagious. I think it should get on people. I think it should um, absolutely spread and move and there should be a bacterial microbial activity that is godly and that is righteous and it should spread throughout so god put the kingdom of god into the earth and it spreads into all the earth until the whole thing is leavened so that's the spreading moving uh, growing nature of leaven but overwhelmingly leaven is a bad thing in the bible it's only a few times it's really only in matthew 13 when he gives the comparison of the woman that it is likened to the kingdom of God. So this is one reason why the church has principles that we won't move from. We know how leaven works. And I want to talk a little bit about how we got here. You don't just, most people don't just dive headfirst into deep and profound sin. It is a creeping encroaching, insidious, subtle thing. And there are several apostolic distinctives that matter that identify God's people. One thing is uh, God's people, we don't wear jewelry. And another thing is uh, our women, they do not cut their hair. Our men, we do cut our hair. And another one, and this is the one I'm probably going to focus on today, is we dress modestly. We try to dress modestly. We cover our bodies, and, and that idea that we will dress modestly, it comes from 1 Timothy chapter 2, and um, if you read 1 Timothy 2.9, it is a powerful portion of Scripture, and, and this, this ties into holiness. We're actually doing a holiness series here in Durham, and we're talking about some of the holiness principles that, that define who God's people are, but in, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, Paul said this, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold, pearls or costly array. So Paul is giving physical descriptions to God's people. He says, I don't want you to adorn yourself with this, don't want you to dress yourself up with this. And there's a lot of content here to get into, but one of the ideas here is God, uh, Paul addresses men first. A lot of times when you're talking about holiness, there's people that want to address women, um, and women can catch the brunt of that. But this thing starts with men. And he says that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. I always wondered what that wrath and doubting meant. But it literally means that Greek word for wrath is orge. And it the concept comes from desire, excitement of mind, violent passion, and uh, powerful, powerful emotive um, dynamics. And so men are not supposed to be slaves to their passion, whether it be anger or wrath or jealousy or or illicitness. And so we're supposed to have that under submission and, and under the control of the Holy Ghost 
and then we're doubting. We're not supposed to be disputing and wondering and and always arguing and debating and trying to find loopholes to everything without wrath and doubting. Men are supposed to lead the way as the heads of our homes and as as the shepherds of our home. And and Paul said, I want men to be like this. And then women, he told them um, also, one of the things he talked about was modest apparel. So we're going to talk about modesty because we are not living in a modest society. We're living in a very immodest society. We're living in a hypersexualized society that is very sensual. It's very uh, driven by lust and the lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. So the Bible says it's all that's in the world, those, those things. And it wasn't always that way. There was a time when the society seemed to hold to a, a stricter decorum. There was more class. Um, things weren't so front street. It seems like times were a bit more innocent than they are now. And with the explosion of media and the explosion of entertainment, entertainment society, and illicitness, you see a breakdown. And I can actually walk you through the breakdown. Um, and it's one of the reasons why, as apostolics, we don't have televisions. We don't um, give ourselves over to Hollywood programming. And we don't sit there and just watch the, the serving that Hollywood gives to us because there are concepts and ideas that normalize sin. So promiscuity and the breakdown of marriage and fornication and adultery and homosexuality and the sins that are elicited in the Bible and are, are expressed, God forbids, those things became normalized through media. They, they were packaged with a wink and a smile. And, and it happened over a period of 70 years. Back in the old days, when, when television first made uh, its debut, there were a lot of preachers that were very concerned about it, a lot of people of God that said, we're not going to be a part of it. And Hollywood uh, began. Hollywood, interestingly, much of it was, was founded by, by Jewish people. And there's actually a pretty fascinating study on all of that. Maybe we'll get into that one day. Um. But Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and um, uh, all the other big studios, they, they, were, they were largely Jewish. And they began to put out these picture shows, you know, television, movies, etc. And there was a time when there was this thing called a decency panel. And these were men and women who said, we have to be careful of our um, young people, of, of the moral fabric of society. As if there is such a thing now that's been so done away with and so destroyed that now, you know, with each new person, we are now falling further and further apart until there is no such thing as holy. There's no such thing as modest anymore. It's just a complete breakdown. And what it is, that's what the Bible describes as bestial or animal. So in Revelation, there was a beast that arose out of the sea and the nations of the earth, they are beasts. And as man degenerates further and further into the bestial state, then um, he is losing his sonship. He is losing the attributes of God in that he is made in the image of God. So the elevated nature of man is, is slowly deteriorating until you can't even... It, it, there's no difference between what people are doing and what animals are doing. And so there are people that get shocked when they hear of these horrible crimes that happen in the city and these these school shootings and and gang shootings and, and people killing one another um, and, and crimes on men on women and, 
and et cetera, et cetera. But if you just went out into the woods one night and you, you saw a pack of coyotes attacking some poor creature, a cat or whatever, nobody would think that was strange because that's what coyotes do. That's what the animal world does. It is savage. It is utterly savage. There is no mercy. There's no concept of mercy. There's no concept of decorum. And that is exactly what is happening to men and women. They are being degraded into a bestial state to where it's all about instinct. It's all about primitive feelings. If it feels good, do it. And that there's no more satanic message than that, to, to rob men and women of the image of God. We are not animals. We do not sleep with everything, smoke everything, drink everything, pollute everything. The Bible actually says that your body is the temple of God. And so in, in that Old Testament dynamic, they, they would veil the temple. They would cover it with skins. And that's what we do with the temple. We, we are covering up the sacred and the holy. And it is only to be unveiled in the context of covenant. Uh, and in this case, um, back then it was uh, the Holy of Holies and God and in and, and the context of your body and my body, that is a husband and wife in covenant. And so that, that's the idea of modesty there. And, and where leaven comes in is where that began to break down. So these, these modesty panels, these decency panels, they, they would tell entertainers and, and whatnot, uh, people who were going to be on television or in the movies, they would say, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't dress like this, you can't dress like that, you can't show this, you can't show that. And and they they were trying to protect American society. So um, time goes on, people wanted to push the envelope. Um, a frequent thing back in those days, back in the 40s and 50s, would be there would be television shows and men and women would be in separate beds. They were married couples. They would be in separate beds because the idea was was chastity. It was, it was wholesomeness. They thought that would be wholesome and that they didn't want to um, bring down and lightly treat the, the concept of marriage. So they very gingerly walked around it and they would do their little show. Well, the day came when they said, you know, the American consumer is more savvy than that, so we're going to put them in the same bed, and, and that's how we'll show them on, on screen. And then that time passed, and from that it turned into um, more racy content, more, more suggestive content, the, the concept of illicit relationships and 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 they wouldn't just come out and say it, but as the 50s turned into the 60s and the sexual revolution came, there were more and more edgy content. This happened in, in Hollywood. It also happened in music. When um, when Elvis Presley hit the scene, it was like a bomb went off. He was he was up there singing and, and shaking, and he was swiveling and dancing. And, and as that happened, it shocked people. It scandalized people. Girls and guys had never seen this before, and, and there's the... All these clips on the internet of you know people just losing their mind as Elvis is singing "You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog" and <laughs> all this, and and he was the king of rock and roll and he revolutionized revolutionized everything in music uh, for the world. Well, parents were worried; they were scandalized; they were worried their kids were getting caught up in primitive emotions, and they were for that day and for that time. They were, and and now we look back at that 
and we and people say, oh, that was no big deal. Well, the only reason you say that's no big deal is because you're so jaded and you're calloused. The leaven has encroached much further than you ever thought it would. Leaven began to be inserted into the mainstream of the public conscience through media. And so there was a time when, uh, and this is a famous historical moment, that we had to study this in sociology and the effect of, of mass communication on large populace. And Elvis Presley went on the Ed Sullivan Show on television. And when he went on there, um, the decency panel said that you cannot show Elvis from the waist down because when he dances, he's swiveling and gyrating and moving in a way that is unwholesome and unseemly. <laughs> so the, the, the church world, the, the moral uh, fiber of, of, the, of the country was not ready for that. They, that's what they thought. And so they would only show him from the waist up. And he's singing, I don't know, Heartbreak Hotel or something, and, or whatever it was. And they would only show that. Well, that just shows you how they thought back then. Well, Elvis pushed that envelope. Now, as leaven is introduced into the mainstream, there will always be a chorus of people that says, that will say, well, what's the big deal? You know, what's the big deal? <laughs> it's, just, it's just singing. It's just music. It's just video games. There's no correlation at all of, of a boy taking a gun and shooting up a school and the fact that he spent the last three years playing violent video games for six hours a day and listening to music that glorifies deviant sexuality and, and murder and, and chaos and violence. There's, there's no correlation at all. It's just music. And the double standard of that is, you know, on the other hand, they'll say music, it, it, um, it'll change the world. Music has the power to change the world. Well, you can't have it both ways. It either changes the world or it doesn't have any effect at all. And I submit very strongly that what you watch, you will become. Monkey see, monkey do. There's, there's a hear no evil, see no evil. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an idea that what you see, you will become. And so don't look at it. You won't do it. Don't become part of it. There's some things I don't want to learn. There's some some depravities that we don't need. We don't need depravity in our hearts and our minds. And what's going on under artistic license and expression oftentimes is just is just sin. It's just wickedness. And it's not an exploration of of the forbidden and the taboo. It's not cutting edge. It's perversion. And and so that's what the world began to realize. Uh, it's what we've now come to realize, I should say. Um, so. Elvis Presley, eventually they, they gave up on that. There was such mass appeal. He made so much money, and people were so enthralled with him that they just they broadcast him completely, and people lost their minds. And, and he skyrocketed, and you know the, the legend of Elvis was born. And from that, that leaven encroached to a degree that it had not been before. That world of the 1950s and 1960s was different than the 40s and 50s. And, and the idea of pushing the envelope to make money and to get a claim and to excite the populace and to drive viewership and to, to make money on the 18 to 35-year-old demographic, it became part of, of, of the American way of doing business. Well, the problem with that is that doesn't stop. Leaven doesn't stop. It continues 
until the whole is leavened. So following Elvis, the Beatles came. They came with their mop tops, and they came with their yellow submarines, and they came with their Puff the Magic Dragons, and and see how that works. You know, they they took great delight and great relish um, at how clueless their parents were. They loved the idea that this song, Puff the Magic Dragon, was actually a wink to drug culture and marijuana, puff being marijuana and a joint, and LSD was, the the yellow submarine was actually a trip, and when you took LSD, you could go deep, and you could live in this psychedelic world, and we all live in a yellow submarine, and, and the, the, the Beatles promoted drug culture, and, and the world was aghast, because here's these guys, and now they're lauded as heroes, and and one of the greatest bands to ever ever play in society. The whole time the church is saying, no, we will not participate in that. We will not devour that. We will not consume that because there's a lot of garbage that you are consuming there. But we go from Elvis to the Beatles and Levin moves that much further. It shocked. It excited people. The forbidden excited people. So from the Beatles, we then go into the 1970s. We get into um, a lot of, and and I'm not trying to get into every genre and every people group. I'm just going to show what was mainstream at the time. Um, There was a lot of, of rock and, and metal groups begin to emerge. You get into stuff like um, Alice Cooper, you get into stuff like Ozzy Osbourne, and this is a, a, a music anthology. It, it's it's a, a sociology study that will show you how Levin corrupted the American society. And I'm, I'm trying to get to where we are today because where we are today is nothing like where we were because a little Levin leavens the whole lump. During that time on television, they began to introduce gay characters. Um, they began to slowly introduce the idea of, of homosexuality and promiscuity and marriage uh, not being that big of a deal and, and casual intimacy became a thing. Um, their, their dress became more and more revealing and seductive. Murder and all the things that Hollywood produ- produced, it became exciting and people would just, would just devour this. And they were devouring the leaven of the world. Um, so now you get into metal, you get into heavy metal, heavy rock, classic rock. During that time, the topics they're talking about are, are completely wicked, completely sinful, um, ungodly. The church is not participating in that. God's people are not participating in that, but the world is falling headlong into that. And from there, we move into the 1980s, the 1990s. We get into rap. We get into gangster rap. We get into grunge. We get into, you know, we've come through the hard rock time. And during that time, it was complete wickedness. Um, I won't even describe all the sin that they got into, but but some of those groups began to get into a lot of misogyny. They began to, got into uh, degrading women and glorifying drug culture, drug, glorifying drug dealing and killing, killing policemen and 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 murdering. and And what they would say is, we're just we're just telling our story that we got from the streets, and we're just being artists. But the more they promoted that, the more impressionable young men and young women devoured that leaven. 
And now we've come a long way from not showing Elvis from the waist up. Now we're into marijuana and we're into um, promiscuity, very casual promiscuity and, and um, homosexuality and, and, and adultery. It's all rampant. They glorified that. We got to a point where that, that didn't shock anybody anymore. That, everybody was doing it. So the more they did it, the more the leaven encroached. And every single time there would be a group of people that said, what's the big deal? It's just music. It's just a way of dress. It's just, it's, what's, it's not a big, you're making such a big deal out of it. It's just young kids going through a phase. And during that time, um, there, were, there were people that were decimated by sin. Teen pregnancy skyrocketed. Drug use skyrocketed. Um, the, the academic nature of our country began to take a dive. It began to go down. Uh, SAT scores and, and academics began to go down. People moved out of math and English. They moved out of science and technology and out of physics. They moved out of the STEM uh, fields into um you know, whatever was easy because nobody wants to do the hard work of actually learning and bettering yourself. No, no, no. We just want to sleep around and drink everything and smoke everything and literally throw our lives away. And it became more about entertainment. It became more about fun. This is what happens when leaven comes into a, a world and into a society. It, it encroaches. And, and that's why the church has taken such a strong stand against it. Well, I'm not done yet. It got worse. Uh, you know this. Um, we get into the time of Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson shocked the world because he did things that were so depraved. He, 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 he was one of the first ones to um, get into the, the death idea of death and 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 blasphemy, and and it became popular to to give young people an outlet to fight against God and hate God and 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 make it mainstream. And then the more crazy you could be. Now, there's not much difference between Alice Cooper, Ozzy Osbourne, and Marilyn Manson, except each one wants to keep on pushing the envelope. They want to keep on becoming more edgy, more crazy. What weird anti-thing can I do to shock mom and dad, to shock the church, to shock public sensibilities? From there, you move into Eminem. Um, you move into, um, and this is these are older groups, we keep on moving forward. Now we are into Cardi B. We're into um, we're into Katy Perry. We're into Tyler Swift. We're into um, I don't know all the others. Lil Nas. We're into things that today people are aghast. They are stunned. They are they are grieved. The older generations are thinking, "My goodness, what what have we done to the world?" And what's happened is leaven. Leaven has happened. The Bible said, my people will live. God said in his word, my people will live this way. They will not partake of the wickedness of Egypt, of Babylon. They will not become like those nations and the nations that are around you. So we do not consume that material. We do not eat that food. We do not allow that leaven into our homes and into our hearts. There's a reason why divorce skyrockets, because people become entertainment-driven. They become self-absorbed and selfish. Fathers stop giving themselves. Mothers stop giving of themselves. It's all about pleasure and money and power and, and, and sexuality. And that's what life becomes 
to people, and there's no difference between that and the life of the beast, the life of the animal. We are made to be sons of God and daughters of God, and marriage doesn't work without the Holy Ghost being in the middle of it and the Word of God being a central theme, and we're to transcend and rise above the the life of the animal and, and, and casual murder and casual intimacy and all of the, the host of sin that comes along with that. So modesty is a, you, you see this in there where people just begin to, begin to push the boundaries of modesty and decorum. This is amazing to me. You know, when, when people are young, they, they, they fall for Hollywood and the fashion industry's um, ideas of beauty. And young ladies are told that they have to take all their clothes off, and, and young men are, are told that they have to treat women terrible, and, and, um, and, and it's all about building yourself and working out, and you got to be this, you got to be that, and you're never good enough, and, and, and they promote these images and these ideas. That's all leaven where people can't be people. They tell girls that you have to paint yourself and you have to wear the tightest clothes to sexualize yourself. That's such a grievous thing because, because women are precious. Men are precious in the sight of the Lord. You have value in and of yourself. And as a child of God, as a man of God, as a woman of God, your worth comes from, the, from, from your, your spirit and, and who you are in God and, and, and where you are with your family and, and raising children, building families, building the fundamental building blocks of society, being blessed and worshiping God, that's what, that's what the barometer of success should be, is my walk with God and how I'm loving my neighbor and encouraging the people around me and building and protecting and helping to foster life instead of death. And so, you know, in, in modesty, we tell we tell uh, young ladies, we tell women, you know, wear wear your skirts below your knees, and we tell our men, you know, wear pants and and have your sleeves down to where you're not exposing your body to to the world, and don't wear your clothes so tightly that that you are you are um, sexualizing yourself and and promoting this this worldly image, the more edgy you become, the more, the more fleshly, the more attraction to the flesh that you draw, that you display to the world, you give away those principles of modesty. And so that kind of an intimate dynamic is reserved for husbands and wives in, in covenant. And, and it's a beautiful thing in the eyes of God. And then a person can be valued for who they really are. You know, they have a name, they matter. They're not just an object, and, and they're not just, it's not just about sexuality. It's about who they are as a person and, and what they have to contribute and, and who they are in God. So, so modesty, we see that if you're not careful, you'll give away modesty. You'll, you'll, you'll begin to become more and more like the world. People begin to reveal more and more of their flesh trying to fit in, trying to fit the world's definition of beauty. I find it amazing that not too long ago, um, several worldly entertainers decided that they were going to take makeup off. They were going to take, they were female and they were going to take makeup off their face. And they said the reason is because, because makeup objectifies us and it sexualizes us and we want to be free in who we are. 
What an amazing concept. The church has been doing that for thousands of years. We've told, um, we've told women that they, they shouldn't paint themselves. You know, the, the whole um, idea of modesty and jewelry and, and painting, it all, it all comes from the cosmetic industry. It comes from glorifying the flesh. A, a, a dying, depraved, wicked dynamic that we're supposed to crucify and we're supposed to take to the cross and humble ourselves before God and walk in the spirit. And, and here we are dressing it up and painting it up and making it as revealing as can be so that we can attract somebody somehow. You know, you, you see how people really feel, you know, when, when they're confronted by the, the ramifications of their decisions, the consequences. When you see 10-year-old girls made up to look like they're 25, it's, it's a travesty. What, what is wrong with us as a society that we think that's beauty? And, and you've got this little girl and you, and you paint her up and you dress her up and you, you put all the baubles and the glitz and glamour on her. That's the cosmetic industry and that's the world's idea of beauty. And if you sexualize children when they are young, there is a leaven that is creeping in that is destroying something precious. They can't even be a child. They have to worry about being objectified. They have to worry about fitting the world's definition. And it is the Western world, by the way. It's a world that is filled with, um, with hyper-stimulation, hyper-sensualization. And here are these poor children being brought out into this. They, you know, there was a time when, when kids could be kids. And they weren't inundated with all the garbage and trash and, and worldliness and carnality of, of society. But now you've got mothers who want to dress their daughters up and, and at, at 10 and 12, and, they, and they're made to look like they're a 25-year-old secular worldly woman, and that's supposed to be beauty. That's not beauty. That is, that's a crime. Well, the leaven doesn't stop there. You can't, you can't do those things and think it stops there. Leaven leavens the whole lump. And eventually, if you live that kind of a lie, because that's what it is when you paint yourself and when you're dressing yourself up like that. I'm not talking about taking care of yourself. I'm not talking about being professional. I'm not talking about taking care of your body. We should do all those things. We should be happy with who God has made us to be and rejoice in that and take be stewards of our body. But I'm talking about when you... Um, can't be who you are and you have to put your face on and you have to uh, stress over that and, and you, you can't get a man or you can't get a woman unless you do these things. Well, then you're lying. You're lying. Uh, fake eyelashes, fake face, fake hair, fake hair color. Um, everything is all a lie. It's not true. It's not who you really are. So people think they're pursuing this person and it's just, it's something society has has propagated. It's something that the porn industry has propagated. And I don't just blame women. I blame men too. Sinful, carnal men and women, they continue to propitiate this cycle, this dysfunctional cycle. And now women are trapped because they have to live this sensual, wicked life to try to attract a man who will never be satisfied with that. Lust can't be satisfied. Lust has no bounds. It's animal. It's bestial. It's not love. It's not covenant. It's not, it's not godly. You won't stay with one woman if, if it's all about physical dynamics and sensuality. And so women find that 
that they can't find a faithful man because you're trying to you're trying to attract a predator. You're trying to attack, attract someone who's not submitted to God. And and men are attracted to that. And it's a vicious cycle of of man and woman bouncing off of one another without God. So modesty is the idea that intimacy belongs between a husband and wife. And and we cover ourselves. And and we're not trying to attract the the attention of the opposite sex. I don't need to attract women, and my wife doesn't need to attract other men, but we are in covenant with one another, and that is reserved for marriage. And that is a safe place for children to to live, and that's a safe place for men to operate and women to operate. There's nothing wrong with the with a biblical definition of sexuality and and beauty, but but what is being pushed on us is not beauty, it's it's sensuality and lust, and it's a trap. It's miserable. It 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 enslaves and, and entraps people until finally they're 50 and 60 years of age and they're trying to look like they're 25 and they're t- getting cosmetic surgery and they're enhancing this and they're getting implants and they're, they're facelifting and you name it. They're just anything to stave off death and to keep someone attracted to them. What a sad, pitiful life. And the more you modify and the more you tinker with it and play with it, the more people, they they lose who they are. Now, it's gotten to the point where we've told little boys and little girls that they don't know who they are and everything's fluid and everything is in flux. and, um, And there is an agenda in this world that this leaven has permeated and filled until we don't even know who we are anymore. Things are so hyper-stimulated and hyper-sensualized and hyper-sexualized that, that people live for that. And they're miserable. They, they're contracting diseases. They're, they, many times they depend on alcohol just to get through the day. They're taking pills and over-the-counter medication to the point to where they don't even want to face life. Life is so miserable for them. What a terrible way to live. God has a better thing for people. He has a better solution than that. It is a beautiful thing to walk holy before God and to keep yourself on a marriage covenant and, and, and to enjoy the blessing of the Lord. Enjoy your children. Thank God for your children and, and the blessing that God will pour out on you as you walk holy before him. That's how leaven works. So be careful, the people that say, ah, what's the big deal? Because they've said it all the way from the beginning till now. And here's the big deal. Look at the last 70 years, and we've come a long way. It's a big deal now, isn't it? It starts out so small, and it rapidly builds, and it escalates. I wish I had the time I'd talk about the power of small things, the compounding nature of small things adding up. It's true of finance. It's true of of investments. It's true of righteousness. And it's true of sin. If you continue in a wicked lifestyle, it will compound. God said it like this. He said, if you sow the wind, you will reap the whirlwind. That word whirlwind is an old English word for tornado. You thought it was just a small breeze, but but by the time Satan gets done with it, it is a raging, roaring tornado that destroys everything in its path. 
And so now you got kids who color their hair a different color every other day. They're pierced in every part of their body. They're, there's nothing sacred to them. They've been introduced to every sexually deviant thing you can imagine. And they become suicidal. Because what's the hope? What's the use? They've seen so much. They've encountered so much. There's nothing holy. There's nothing sacred. That's what leaven leads a people to. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. God told them, eat unleavened bread. It will be a sign unto you of consecration. Don't allow that microbial activity to begin in your life. Don't let the encroaching nature of sin fill your entire existence. Do not be like Egypt. Do not be like Babylon. I read in one place, and I'll close with this, that, that when, when you would be delivered from Egypt, that you will not have the itch and the botch and the scab of Egypt. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I sure don't want it. There's a lifestyle of sin that this world promotes that God does not want for his people. I'm not interested in it. I, I want to thank God that I am a man. I want to thank God I am married to a woman, that we are raising children who we know who we are, and we're not following the agenda, the radical agendas that are being pushed on us. Um, God has a plan for his people. He has a plan for his people, and you can stay away from the leaven of this world. It is a big deal. The things of God are a big deal. So, modesty, it is very relative. It is very powerful. It is a place of power, and um, I hope that can be a blessing for you today. So, you can email us your questions. You can, you can text your questions, and we will connect and try to answer them as best we can. Okay, God bless you guys. We love you. We appreciate you. And Lord willing, we'll see you next week.